Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. Welcome to episode number 140 of the podcast, and today I'm joined by an Aussie icon, absolute legend, not only champion in the surf, but champion outside of surf, doing wonderful things these days, and I'm talking about none other than Trevor Hendy. Now, Trev is a all-time rock star of surf life-saving in Australia. Now, when I, I remember growing up watching, I think it was uh, on Channel 10 or, or 9, watching the Uncle Toby surf series, and that's when Trev in the 80s and 90s was absolutely dominating. Now, he won four times uh, the Uncle Toby Super Series. He was six times Australian title. He then went and represented Australian kayaking, and he's done all these other amazing things. But the stunning thing about today's podcast, we didn't once talk about that we didn't once talk about any of his uh, career or anything like that we talked about the amazing things that he is now doing after it and where he's mentoring coaching working with players athletes professionals kids schools anybody you name it Trevi Zan and the biggest thing I took away from today's chat is that Trev's main goal these days is to serve and provide kindness and make other people's lives better and the things we talk about today it gets pretty deep but some of the messages that are just taking away, I was sitting here taking notes and I, I listened back to these two or three times and each time there was more just pure bits of gold from Trev. So guys, I am so excited today. Not only is Trev a superstar and he's got the career to back it up, but what he's been able to do once he's finished outside the surf is being outstanding. All right, so sit back, enjoy. This is episode number 140 and it's gonna blow your socks off. Welcome to the podcast. I am so excited today. I've got an Australian icon, and it's probably as familiar as when you think of baked beans, Vegemite, and Tim Tams. It's Trevor Handy. How are you, buddy? <laughs> Great. Thanks, Dale. That's an interesting intro. I've never been referred to like baked beans, but, you know, that happens occasionally. <laughs> it does, mate. Now, before we start, um, I've got a little interesting question for you here. Now, back in the day at the AIS, is it true that you blew up the beep test? You were so good at it that you beat it. <laughs> um, that's how, can I make that true? That Wait, sounds really good. Someone, but, someone told me that. Uh, no, I, um, I'm not sure if I ever, I, yeah, I did do a beep test when they really early started and, um, vaguely remember it being pretty high, but what I did do is I, um, I had a lung test and I had 9.3 litre lungs um, of which I could expel a hundred percent of the air within one second. So, um, the, it was like a mind-blowing size of lungs, but but how fast, like the uh, my windpipes, how fast I could get all the air in and out. So genetically, somehow I ended up with big lungs, and um, and yeah, pretty interesting. Right. So obviously that helps with recovery because you can get so much more oxygen in. Is is that sort of what they were saying? Yeah, very much so. Basically, if you can actually take one breath and draw a lot of oxygen in. And then you've obviously got to have a, a, a big size organ in your heart to pump it around. Um, and then you can expel it all really fast and get it all back in really fast. So really it meant the, the ability to replenish pretty quickly um, the oxygen supply. And, um, and then obviously you've got to train yourself to utilize that. So I used to go scuba diving. I could free dive for a long, long time. And I'd go scuba diving and I'd actually tear through the tanks 
You know, I'd be like, oh, it's time to go up. And everyone else would be like on two-thirds of a tank because I was so used to using such big breaths of air that while I was kicking around and and uh, doing what I was doing scuba diving, I'd, I'd be tearing through the oxygen. So, mate, your experience because of your yeah, genetically gifted lungs was making your scuba diving less 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 enjoyable, <laughs> <Yeah>. mate. <laughs> That's right. Damn. That's right. <laughs> now, mate, we weren't here to talk about beat tests or scuba diving, but I just wanted to sort of get that in there. Now, before we get into, obviously, your glamorous career and that, let's go back to where it all started, mate. Born and bred in Melbourne. Do you uh, have a football side, AFL? Yeah, I was born in Preston, actually, so Collingwood Heartland. Oh, there you um, go, the Maggies. Yeah, yeah, the Maggies. Long family tradition with the Magpies. Had a, a cousin, Ronnie Moylan, played for them through, I think, about 68 to 71 or so. Um, and, yeah, done a lot of stuff with the Pies and actually worked for three years with the Pies, with Bucks and the boys and over on the corporate side as well, uh, just going back a couple of seasons. And, um, yeah, so and, – and worked with Eddie with them in the late 90s and, you know, all sorts of different stuff and go right back to when we used to race at Portsea and, and um, Mike Christian and, and uh, Craig Kelly and um, Darren Mullane and a few of the boys used to come down and watch races down at Portsea in January, which is kind of their pre-season. And um, so, yeah, long history with the Pies and, uh, and still, you know, follow them and whole family follows them and stuff. So, but really love the sport. I, I really love AFL. I've been lucky enough to work with a few different people at different clubs and, and, um, and I just love what they're all about. And I'm fascinated by how amazing each club is, like an amazing group of people yeah. Um, yeah. that make up each club and that they've all got their own unique culture. So it's great, great Australian sport. I love that, and I think now I've I've done a bit of research on it. I know you are just dominating, um, probably outside of the surf, where a lot of people may not know that about you, Trev. So before we get into that side of your life, after um, obviously your glamorous career and everything like that, let's go back. So as a kid, mate, born and bred in Melbourne, but then you travelled around a lot, didn't you? Yeah, my dad um, packed up through the family in a uh, single cabin blue dodge truck put the caravan on the back and we traveled around australia for a bit over two years and that was dad's way of saying hey everyone else at my work you know goes and explores the rest of the world but first i should see my own country and secondly had a, a nagging feeling there was somewhere else to live and that if he just had the picket fence and the job and everything he had all the, all the perfect things that you should have in the nuclear family and he felt that there was something missing. So I travelled around Australia for two years. Mum and Dad, Mum really supported him on it. They worked their way around the country. We would stop in different towns for a month or six weeks, two months. He'd pull up, get out of the caravan, drive down the road and get himself a job. He was a mechanic and a builder. So he uh, quite fascinating way to grow up around the country, spent a lot of time in the Northern Territory and Northwestern Australia. And and I, I guess my dad, you know, used to do things like we'd pull up on the side of the road, Mum would be making dinner for us in the middle of nowhere and dad would walk me and my five-year-old sister diane off into the bush and we'd walk and change direction and walk and walk and walk and then he'd say okay kids which way take us back to the van so i'd always have to find our way back yep you know and it was this crazy thing that i, I know that led to things in my later life um sort of emotionally and spiritually really where whenever i went off track in life which i have done you know i've kind of lost my way a few times and go down different paths and go, oh, that's not really me, and then turn around and come back the right direction. And I've always found my way home. And I often say, thanks, Dad, you know, because you taught me at a very young age to work out which way does home feel like it is, not 
you know, turn left 10 times or whatever and try and remember it in my head. Just which way does home feel like? And I always say to people, I can be anywhere in the world and, and uh, I can point to the nearest ocean because I can feel it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, crazy experiences, beautiful family, um, pretty tight. We settled on the Gold Coast when I was five. By the age of eight, a buddy came down, came out to my front yard and uh, as I walked towards him, he said to me, hey, Trev, do you want to come down to Nippers this weekend? And my dad stepped next to me right when I was about to say, no, thanks. My dad said he'd love to. <laughs> and uh, so I joined Nippers at Surfers Paradise Surf Club as an eight-year-old and been there ever since. I'm now president of the club as a 50-year-old, uh, giving back to the community. But that club and life-saving and that humanitarian organisation, that those values of selflessness, of connected to nature, of teamwork, of um, courage, of excellence and focus, it just led to so many things in my life and and also becoming a competitive Ironman and and uh, board paddler and you know weight racing and surf races and everything I started to hone this ability to once again which way's home which is the fastest way and I used to actually not run out the same way that everybody else is going I'd have a, a gut feeling to go left or right or you know go deeper and stay down for two or three waves or whatever it may be and that that would always pay off for me. So over a long period of time, I learned um, how to follow my intuition. And then that became led into my later career where I'm, most people, I think I'm mostly referred to as a soul coach, but I, I basically help people follow their own deeper knowing of what they want to sort out in their life. And and I think the ocean and my family and all the travels and everything led me to to be much more certain about that myself. Yeah, nice. And I, I love that idea about um, how your old man just went away from the norm and took you around Australia because I think too often I think Australian people go to Bali or Thailand and we haven't even seen all of our own country. So I love that idea. And not only that, the side that you just mentioned about now, obviously being president of the Lyceum Club, the community and being part of something, how important do you think that is, particularly in society today where, uh, particularly with phones and everything, where uh, we've never been more connected, but we're so disconnected, I suppose. So how important is being part of something or community like the Surf Lifesaving Club? Well, it's such a major thing. I think um, in religious terms, and I'm not religious, but if you, um, I think they call it tithing, where you give 10% of your earnings to the greater good, you know, and I think of that term and I think, yeah, you know, best parts of my life is when I've probably given 10% of my effort, time, whatever, to something that's purely of service. And it's funny, when you first give it, sometimes you're giving it because you think you should and you're better. And that's probably not as purely of service if you think as it is, you know, as you think it is. But over a period of time, you just kind of, it's funny because you get so much out of it. You're not really giving just to the other people. But when we turn up to the surf club and you set up a patrol and you and you do things um, for community service, there's something that happens when you rescue somebody, you know, when you help them out. It's like the deeper part of you recognises that this is what life should feel like. I shouldn't be all about me. And the more you do it, the more I feel that my focus, I really feel in myself a lot of a lot more, a higher percentage of my focus is, I wouldn't say it's 50%, but it's getting closer. It's past 10%. A high percentage of my focus is about how can I help other people? How can I make a difference? And, and uh, every business decision I make is based on that. And you know, so I think there's something really powerful around life-saving. Verse, I loved it that my dad went outside the norm, took us around Australia, 
you know, did those things, but also just breaking out of the norm. You know, you work between nine and five or seven and three and you, you watch the footy and drink beers on the weekend. They're all good things. But, you know, you doing a podcast and actually trying to help some other people and give some ideas, that's a gift to the world. You know, that's actually quite um, out there and it, it breaks the world up and it breaks up some of the normal paradigms and the normal sort of status quo of where uh, there's a lot of me, 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 what can I get, what can I get? And that's not always nefariously selfish. It's not like just people are inherently selfish. It's often because I need to get that so I can then be happy myself or mm-hmm. I can, so I've got the time myself or so I can look after my kids or I can, so we, we're trying to grab onto things often for good purposes or good intentions. And they, they say the road to hell is paved with good intentions, but, um, but I just think any way we can break out of the norm and be of service and have a little percentage of our life, our focus um, given towards how can I make a difference, I just find in myself that it actually reminds me who I am and wakes me up and gets me out of my own bullshit. And, uh, and so the surf club, that's why I'm still wanting to give back and to surf life-saving Australia and to my own club and help other clubs as well is I'm like, oh, well, that's one way that you remind people of who they are and how, how much they can be of service. And, and of course, you've got nippers. There's 100 and, uh, 170,000 plus members in surf life-saving around Australia. And they're all, you know, a lot of those are nippers and families and they're all learning how to, to give of themselves, you know. So it's, it's just a great anchor back into some old values that we're probably losing in the rest of the world. Yeah, no, it's so true. And I'm a big believer, exactly what you said there, Trev, that, that service really comes back to kindness. And I suppose um, I think a true reflection mm. of who you are and the happiness you have in life is the people around you. So if you can make them happier, um, then your life's also going to be better as well. And I think exactly what you mentioned by giving back or not be saying I'll be happy when I get this i'll be happy when i do that but instead each day give 10 percent, which when you think about it, not a great deal to actually just make somebody else's day better and it's amazing what happens isn't it oh mate give one one percent of your time to start and that one percent the first one percent might be just doing something you're passionate about so maybe give the gift to yourself you know like go for a, a swim or play a game of tennis or you know, do something for yourself, you know, go paint something or whatever it may be, treat yourself in a healthy way. That 1% that you give to yourself, which feeds you, gives you a bit more of yourself. And then you feel like you've got a bit more room to give something to somebody else. And, and it just grows from there. But, but I know when we have any acts of, you know, it's, it's so wrong when I say selfishness, but let's just say, you know, often say that, um, you know, when we say, we see a, a, a lemon, you go, oh, what, what color is it? And you go, oh, it's yellow, it's yellowish, you know. And when when we're focused on ourself, we call it selfish, you know. It doesn't mean you're a terrible person. It just means that your focus is a bit selfish, you know. It's a bit focused on self. Um, and I think it just one act of selfishness and just focused on self or stuck on self can bring in all this other crap into your life because it's seemingly, oh, yeah, but I get what I want but it brings in all this other stuff. And then one act of, as you said, one act of kindness, you know, one act of care, one act of simply I care about you, I'm going to do this for you, can break you through all of that and you have these moments of I feel really good. And then funnily enough, you feel good about yourself again, you know. So (laughs) it feeds – probably we're talking about our our little self, our negative self or our shadow self and our real self because our real self does care. Yeah, you know um, our basic personality that we're born with is very caring, loving, very adventurous. We teach ourselves basically to walk and talk and 
to roll around, move our own eyes and head so we can explore, touch, taste. So a basic beingness in a human being is very beautiful, you know, very powerful and, and quite incredible and doesn't need a lot. And then when the kids start growing up, we start making out that we're going to be their best teachers. No, touching, tasting, feeling, experiencing is the best teacher you can get, you know, um, but the basic personality of a child, they will go up and hug another child, they'll pick up a snake and kiss it, you know, they don't have fear, they don't have all those sort of things. So somehow we've got to get the wisdom of knowing what's dangerous in the world, but the innocence of knowing that at the end of the day, when you come to it with a hug, there's pretty much nothing as dangerous. Yeah, and, and I just think some of the things you just mentioned there, Trevor, just absolutely brilliant, mate. And I think what you said about at the start of all that was coming back and allowing 1% of your day to do something creative or some sort of play that's beneficial and enjoyable for you, where, you know, that inner child, that young child, I think as we get older, we beat away and we say, no, we can't be like that anymore because that's where we find our passion, isn't it? Oh, mate, I just, I've just literally today just worked with a group of eights, nines, ten, year year eight, year nine, year ten, ele- year eleven. So what's that? Thirteen to sixteen, and they're all academic excellence. And we just did a half day, sort of live your best life program with them. So at the surf club, we do this around southeast Queensland, and leads into something else we'll probably chat about. But the the life change life changer foundation that I'm doing work right around the country with kids, and and it's quite crazy that. Um, we were noticing today with these, particularly the year 10s and 11s, that they found it so hard to give an honest, heartfelt acknowledgement to the person opposite, opposite them, even if it was their best friend. Because yeah. if, while I'm acknowledging you, everybody else is listening and I'm going to get spanked for it, you know. I'm going to get criticised for it or whatever. So we've been so conditioned into shutting down our honest, you know, heartfelt communications to each other and we're just slowly but surely diminishing our life into this um, uh, transactional relationships, you know, rather than actually trans um, transformational relationships. Because if you have an honest conversation like we're having now, the conversation's quite transformational. Like, you know, it's, it, you feel good about it, makes you think of different things, it opens you up. Two people can have a conversation and change the world around them in a few moments just by having an honest, open conversation. But if we have a conversation that's purely transactional, at the very least, we're cutting ourselves off from all that magic of sharing some more heartfelt and emotional stuff. But at the worst, we could actually be driving that whole negative energy that's often running the planet, you know, the commerce, the banking, the, the dog-eat-dog, you know, where we do end up competing against each other rather than actually collaborating with each other. You know, like I've got resources that I can share with you rather than I've got resources and I'm going to pull them over my place and save as many up as I can for a rainy day as I share them with you and we all win. You yeah. Know? So, so right back from the simple things of being a child that grows up and slowly but surely shuts down some of those heartfelt things to being an adult that is is stuck chasing this carrot that one day when I've, you know, paid off my mortgage and got all my investment properties aligned and, you know, blah, 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 everything's going to be better. But by the time you get there, often your kids aren't talking to you anymore. You've grown a beer gut. You know, <laughs> you, you, you've got, you wake up in the morning, you stand up and your ankles and your feet are, are, are aching and you're like, oh, I can't do what I used to, but that's just age. Yeah. No, it's not age. It means we haven't been actually feeding that good part of ourselves, you know. We should be 50 years of age and running around enjoying ourselves like a kid. Yeah. Um, we don't have to slowly but surely walk into the grave 
and be proud that we've got a great investment portfolio. Yeah, because normally when that happens, Trevor, you've been saying your whole life, I'll be happy when, you haven't allowed yourself to be happy, but because you've been building this fortune that the people when they get there, they're not happy anyway and they don't enjoy what they've created. And I see that a lot. Now, What I, one thing I really took away from, I obviously work with a lot of kids as well. Um, do you think it comes back to, you know, not allowing themselves to be vulnerable or that vulnerable is a weakness? Is it, do you reckon that's why they find it so hard to maybe share some gratitude or empathy or things like this? Oh, dude, I'm, I'm just like, couldn't be a more accurate statement. I, I, it blows me away working with kids all the time, but also working with adults. I've done nearly 10,000 hours now of, of one-on-one work with adults. Yep. And all the stuff goes back to childhood. You know, anything that we're really blocked about and that we're really blocked off, um, we're stuck in our head, we're stuck in our patterns and everything. It goes back to childhood patterns. You know, it goes back to our first relationship with mum and dad, who when we're really young, they're kind of godlike to us because they're, they're our provider, they see all, everything. And, you know, so we often live in fear when we grow up, um, whether they're fearful or not, whether they're, you know, worthy of being fearful of or not, um, we still live in it. But we shut down the vulnerability, we shut down the feeling and we start, instead of actually having feelings, we start having beliefs and judgments. So we start actually making things right and wrong. So we go into this duality of our heads, right, wrong, good, bad, win or lose, you know, skinny or fat, rich or poor, um, dumb or smart, success or failure, you know, sexy or ugly, you know, cool or uncool. We go into this, this measurement thing and we lose ourselves in there. And basically, it's all got this inner judge, this, you know, this judge just sits on our shoulder all the time. My wife does this program with teenagers, it's called the Sacred Sister Project, and she works with teenage girls, their teachers and their mums. And now she's doing the Mindful Master Project with young boys as well. And it's really beautiful, simple work, very hands-on. She goes into classrooms and has taken me into a couple to help her out with it. And and one of the processes she runs is called the Itty Bitty Shitty Committee. <laughs> I'm interested you know? to hear this, mate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, say, I say to the kids, what's a committee? And they go, oh, a group of people getting together to make decisions. Yep. Okay. And what's a shitty committee? Oh, a bad committee making bad decisions. Yeah. <laughs> what's an itty bitty shitty committee? That's a tiny little committee of people. Yeah. Where do you reckon you find them? And they're like, oh, in my own head. <laughs> because <laughs> That's it's brilliant. a committee a chorus of voices that tell us if I do if I do say what I really feel um, I'll get criticized or I'll get judged or people will actually um, you know uh, they'll dob on me or they'll um, make me look stupid or they'll beat me up or they'll use it against me or, or whatever so there's this kind of really quite dark realm in our heads in our minds around fear of exposing ourselves so Absolutely, in my experience, the way to free yourself in life and be totally liberated and enjoy life like it's a wonderful game that you can be involved in with great relationships, the way to do it is to feel it, to heal it. Whatever you're stuck in, feel what you're stuck in. Don't think it. Feel it, feel it, feel it and locate it. Find it in your body. What does it feel like? when you And you st- let yourself feel it and then you find the thoughts behind it. I often say to people, feel it to heal it and then see it to free it. But you got to feel it first. And so the big problem is emotions aren't feelings. Emotions, um, emotions have passed attached to them. They're like they're blocked energy that's passed. It's all this emotional stuff that's blocked, and they go in and out, past and future. Feelings are very current. You know, I I can feel what I need to do. I feel where I need to go next. 
So by blocking off our emotions and not being vulnerable, we're also blocking off our higher intuition and our our sense of knowing who we really are. And as I said before, you do a rescue for someone and you feel something deep inside of you happens. You go, I feel worthy. Like I feel connected. I feel like I just was of service to someone. So that's a feeling. It's not an emotion, you know. So it's it's really interesting that this whole day and age – Man, I'm really kind of worried about it, but worried's a bit of an emotion as well. Yeah. I'm I just going into these schools and all around the place and I'm 100% committed to work with it. But it blows my mind what artificial intelligence, you know, is doing. We we say, "Oh, we haven't switched on artificial intelligence yet." We 100% have. Every gesture we make on a phone, every time we type something in, there's servers, there's things recording it slowly but surely. Everything we do, there, there are big companies like Facebook, Google, et cetera, that know more about um, our mannerisms and our actions than we do about our own. Yeah. You know, so they can predict what we're going to do next. And they, when they put all that, to, all that information together, they can predict what a whole community is going to do. If a, if a plane does crash into a building, they know exactly how everyone's going to react. So we're not really free. And... There's, a, there's giant supercomputers that can tell us exactly how we're going to react. So pretty soon people will be making decisions based on the way the collective group reacts. At the same time, we're young kids and adults and we're going into these bloody devices and we're so full in social media and we're worried about what everybody else thinks and says. We've always had it. It's always been there, but now it's amplified by 100 or 1,000. And literally people are so self-conscious, they're so stuck in the lane that they will not do anything that this this status quo that's driven by a lot of AI and a lot of social media, they won't do anything that will make them stand out from that. Yeah. You know, and when they do, they become famous and then they get sucked back in and go back into it. So everybody who tries to break free ends up back in there as well, you know, so... It's kind of blowing my mind that young kids are literally waking up and they're growing up and they're going, okay, what can I do today to either fit in or stand out in a way that makes me look great? But very few are saying, how can I be myself today? Yeah. You know, and how great could that be? You know, because I'm not good enough. I've got to be more like them or I've got to do something that makes me stand out. So the feelings part, mate. Is, is in jeopardy, it's un, under threat, you know, yeah. because the feelings are the part that actually remind us of who we really are. So, so true, so true, Trev. But I think deep down as well, people don't want to own it when they may do something wrong or they, they make a mistake that instead of celebrating that and improving and learning from it, instead of owning up to it, they would rather push it aside and, and wish it never happened. Do you see that sort of happening? And um, because I think, like you were saying, kids, don't, they don't know who they are. They don't know who to mirror themselves on. We've got all these influences or we've got sports stars and people just don't know where they fit. Mate, I think that when we make a mistake, we're not so much worried about the mistake but what other people will think of it. Correct, yes. You, you know, so there's that thought again in the back of our mind, that itty-bitty shitty committee that's going, hey, what will they think of me if I tell them that I messed up like that? They won't like me anymore. They won't love me anymore. Little do we know that the person we're worried about's made the same mistake and they're hiding it too. You know, how many shameful, guilty, so, so-called sinful things have we all done that we suppress and hide away? Um, and you, you get, I got this bunch of kids, you know, 68 kids in a room today, and I said to them after we did this mask process and revealed, you know, the mask that you wear and what are you really feeling behind it, said, what did you guys learn from it? One said, 
um, we've all got the same f- stuff. Yeah. We've all got the same feelings. We're more alike than I realized. And someone else said, I'm not alone. I just realized I'm not alone. So, But our fear of exposing ourselves and what someone might say, which is a peace of mind that's not even our truth, but it's in there operating like it's our truth, it gets us to hide it away. But when we offer it over, someone goes, oh, thank you for telling me that. I've got the same thing. Yeah. And we instantly feel closer, more connected. Here comes the lesson. What can we learn from it? How can we help each other in the future? Now everybody comes together through the vulnerability. But as soon as we hide from each other, it's like two ends of a scale. And I often say, if you look at the physical, the 3D, the third dimensional element, you see all these bodies. You see different genders, colors, sizes, amounts of money, you know, amounts of intelligence, da, 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 da. You see all these differences. And so at the 3D physical um, you know, end of the scale, using our physical senses, we look separate and we are separate and there's an illusion of separateness. And so now we're now all, because we're separate, we've got this limited amount of resources and now we're all competing for them, whether it's love, whether it's money, whether it's, I don't know, sex, drugs, alcohol, we're on our share of whatever we want, winning, you know, fame, whatever it may be, or just peace and quiet, we're kind of competing for it, you know. We're trying to get more of this so I can have more of that. But that's at a 3D level. When we get to a 4D level, fourth dimension, we start to see the mind, the monkey mind, you know, the reactive mind. We start to see the intuition and the feelings. We see the group mind. We see all the pain of things that we've suppressed down and past pain and emotions that have been blocked that we're too scared to show. So we, we get rid of some of those fears and we reveal it amongst a group of people. And then we go, hang on, you're more like me than I realize. And now we're getting into 5D, which is fifth dimension and beyond, where you start to go, at a quantum level, who am I? I'm, I'm, I'm not my body. I'm not my mind. I'm kind of some sort of loving intelligence that cares about people, you know, that, hang on, that's a, not a mind thing. It's not a body thing. It's something else. So throw all the belief systems out. At one end of the scale, we're completely one and connected and we've got all the answers for each other. At the other end of the scale, we're separate, we're different, and we're in competition with each other. So we literally go unconscious, we're in competition, comparison, and when we're conscious, we're in creativity, collaboration, you know, all the really beautiful stuff. So to me, it's just literally about waking up. You are not your body. You are not your mind. Who are you beyond that? And the only way to discover it is by putting yourself into life fully, whether it's in sport, in relationship, in business, into nature. Put yourself in, give 100%, be vulnerable, be open. And when you, you know, you succeed or you fall down, you'll find who you really are. Yeah, and it's so true. And everything you've just mentioned there, I think it, it comes back to reputation. And everyone wants to build that reputation, Jerry, and they want to keep it up there. But then it comes to consistency. And, and what is that consistent approach to keep it like that? And I suppose kids today, and I'm sure adults too, that they're sort of lost and they don't know what their reputation is and then they don't know how to consistently build that to go wherever they want. And isn't reputation a funny thing because reputation is based on what someone else or a group of people or the collective thinks of me? Yes, so at any one moment, I could, you know, like I just, just at the moment, I'm looking at um, this project of building another clubhouse for the surf club just up the north of where we are. We're finally, there's one little parcel of land that actually I could, you know, we can put a club on for the first time since the 1920s, we could have a surf club on the beach and our nippers could be straight on the beach and we're in the middle of surface paradise. We have these great values. We could reconnect with the beach. So here I am, of all this community stuff I've done, all the things that I've done for the Gold Coast and everything else, 
but as soon as I've in, I've um, advertised the idea that we'd like to go there, found a, a private backer to try and do it, and going out to public consultation straight away, let's call them greenies, which is yeah. really un- unfair to call them that because they're just passionate people. Yep. But there's a group of people, some really good and some that just want an argument that actually go, you're going to move in near those trees and those trees are delicate and blah, blah, blah. And it's like no one's cared about those trees for a long time. We want to go and care about them. So even the plan is to look after them. But all of a sudden my reputation is in danger in the eyes of those people. Yeah. So is it really my reputation or is it really their perception of who or what I'm doing? Because when I sit down and explain to them, they go, oh, that's probably not a bad thing. And you're not the guy that just, you know, cleared a forest up in the northern part of the Gold Coast and did, oh, that's who I'm really angry at, not you. You know, so reputation's a funny one because while you're, while you're trying to protect it and trying to preserve it, you can also cut yourself off from because you're worried about your reputation rather than actually letting your actions guide it, you know. So it's a, it's a, a strange sort of scenario we're in but that reputation very much sits once again in that 4d fourth dimension of who people perceive we are and that is really really dependent on how they're going today yeah and whether or not if you if you turn up and stand up there and you know wear a red hat you know someone might go oh my god he's wearing a red hat he's he's like donald trump (laughs) you know who i'm actually who i'm actually a bit of a fan of i go i actually think that guy is a got a big ego but I actually think he's trying to do a lot of good things you know but no he's this he's that you yep. know all this sort of stuff is happening that just activates people into their fear and everything else so is it really your reputation or is it just their perception of what you just said or what you just did and that's so dangerous because how are we going to do better things for each other if every time we hear something all we do is think of the past yeah. we just think Oof. of oh the last time I heard that ah, oh, oh, the past and the future we're never actually listening to it at the moment go you might be right about that we might be able to actually change that and do something different. Wow, that, that is so – everything you've just mentioned there, Trevor, is so powerful. And I think too often, often we can get caught up in what everybody else thinks of us and that then reflects back on how we feel and we think, oh, I'm not happy or I'm not in this place because da 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 So for me, I think happiness is when you're present in the moment and you're happy with yourself. But how do you get there? And I know um, that obviously – and you've openly spoken about it, You've gone through a lot of different things in your life and ups and downs and everything like that, but you've never been happier at 50 and you, you're helping other people every day so what do you think traits of somebody that is is happy in their current present position i actually think um what a great question i think um true happiness is probably closer to me happiness means that you're you're happy with the current circumstances you know so happiness goes up and down based on whether or not things are going well i think true joy you know, I, I sort of pursue joy more than I pursue happiness. Okay, I think yep. happiness is a, is a result of joy. Um, but joy is knowing that you're okay and knowing that even when you're in the middle of a tumultuous, stormy situation, if you can slow down, take a breath or two and connect back with who you really are, there's three things that I often say. Eckhart Tolle says it slightly differently to me, but I, I often say if you can accept that the current conditions are that exactly the way they are, whether it's an argument, whether it's whatever it is, if you can accept and not resist it, not fight it, not want to change it, not wish it was different, just be there with it and feel it in that moment. If you can accept it, which is number one, then you can embrace it, which is number two. You can go, okay, it's not the way I want it, 
but I'm here. It's happening to me. It's happening right here now. My wife, my husband, someone's arguing with me. You know, my kids, whatever. I've got a flat tire on the side of the road. I'm here. It's happening to me. So if you can somehow know that life is like a giant boot camp for your soul, it's like this every day we wake up, different things are going to happen. We're here to grow. We're not here to be comfortable. When we get comfortable, it only lasts for a certain period of time and then life goes, I'm sorry, mate, but I'm going to have to shove you out of your comfort zone because you didn't come here to, to retire at 40, 30, 40, 50. Even if you do retire physically, you've still got to grow and learn. Yeah. So if you can know that, that life is trying to get you to be the best version of yourself, it's a boot camp for your soul, then what happens is when stuff happens, you know it's happening for a reason. So you don't wish it wasn't happening and go, if I could just stop this from happening, I'd be better. You go, oh, it's happening. I wonder what it's teaching me today. Mm. So you can accept it and then you can embrace it. And then part three is then you can create it differently. So you can create it and change it and move it around and accept it because you've accepted it, embraced it, created it, created it differently, but it's all from a place of non-resistance. So a buddy of mine who I just did this workshop for kids with just before, he's told me the story beforehand. He says, it's a story which I'm going to mess up, but he says, um, <laughs> he says you know, this um, horse arrives, you know, this house, these people in the house get a horse and then the neighbor says, oh, oh, you got a horse, that's a good thing. And the guy says, yeah, maybe. And then the next day the kid in the house goes riding on the horse falls off it and breaks his leg and the neighbor says oh the kid broke fell off the horse and broke his leg that's a bad thing and he goes yeah maybe and then the next day they actually um come around to try and get sign kids up to go off to war in the army but he can't go because he's got a broken leg mm-hmm. and they go wow isn't that lucky that you didn't actually go to the you know your son didn't have to go to the war because of his broken leg that was a stroke of good fortune he says yeah maybe you know, and it just keeps going because everything that happens, whether it's positive or negative, has, has a consequence and something happens for it. And in this world, this magical world, it's happening for a reason. But when we shut off our feelings at a young age, we started thinking that if we can win everything, if we can achieve everything, if I can lock away the money, I can, we get in this linear progression and we lose the magic and the mystery. So we start thinking that life is about winning and succeeding and blocking away some resources. And yet there is that lesson to learn. But that's a boot camp for your mind. It's not a boot camp for your soul. You know, when you can slowly but surely go to the next level and go, oh, it doesn't matter. Even if I got it all and then lost it all, what's it teaching me? Yeah. You know, it's teaching me that I held on too tight or it's teaching me that it was never the thing that I really wanted in the first place. Why did I want the money? Because I wanted the house. Why did I want the house? Because I wanted the security for my kids. Why did I want the security for, you know, for my kids? Because I wanted them to feel safe. Why did I want them to feel safe? Because I never did when I was younger or yeah. because I did and it set me up. doesn't matter which one it is. So why do I want them to feel it when I didn't? Because it would take away this pain that I've carried around a long time and I feel like I'd done my role in life. So we've now just gone, our wires turned from a physical wire of money it's gone all the way through to a metaphysical, a non-physical why, a spiritual why of because I feel like I want to leave it better than I found it. You know, so it always goes back when you go to the deeper why, deeper why. Life is happening for a purpose. And if we miss that purpose, it'll keep all the stuff we get, we'll lose it until we get the purpose. Once you get the purpose of it, the really deeper meaning, then you can have it all, but you don't feel it defined you. So 
kind of got a little bit lost on the track there. But, um, <laughs> That's all right, mate. But uh, at the end of the day, this is what's happening in our life. It's actually where's happiness and joy come from? Well, you're going to go up and down and you're going to lose circumstances that are making you happy every now and then and you might regain them, you might not. There might be gaps in between it. But the joy is in knowing that I'm going to be okay no matter what. And even if I'm not liking the feeling, just allowing the possibility that it's teaching me something Yeah. and that, you know what, it's a really bad situation. Yeah, maybe. Oh, it's turned out to teach me all about love. That's perfect. Yeah, maybe. You know, it's always just leading to something else. And then if you can get that and go, oh, it's not, I'm not trying to arrive at a destination. The destination I'm trying to arrive at is here and now and to trust that this can be a place that I can create and consciously co-create my experience with other people and I can be more of a, a scientist and a bit of a, a wizard or an explorer in life and see if I can attract different things to me by thinking different things, you know, one way of actually getting the same shit over and over again is just thinking about it, Yeah, you know, and and driving those thoughts and feelings into your body, having the chemical reactions anchor you into it. So now you get addicted to the worry, you know, and the fear and the anxiety and the thought that no one cares about me or the thought that it's never going to work out. We get addicted to that and we give more energetic um, um, priority to that than we do to actually going, oh, let that story go. You know, you can't write the next chapter while you're busy, busy telling the old story. Yeah. You know, so at the end of the day, I find happiness comes from waking up in the morning and accepting it exactly as it is and being the observer and going, what's shown up today? I still make decisions. I still have goals. I still have things that I'm trying to pull off. And some days I go, oh, I've bitten off way more than I can chew today <laughs> and I'm in deep shit, you know. And then I go, no, what's it teaching me today? And I go, you know what? It's teaching me to eat some humble pie today. God, you're an ass just before. How arrogant did you sound? <laughs> Ask for help. You know, like stop being a dick, you know, like just constantly clearing my own bullshit so that actually more people can – I can connect with more people and more people can connect with me. And perhaps what I can't pull off, we can pull off. And I was ne- never meant to pull it off on my own. We were meant to pull it off. And that's what I'm, I'm constantly learning at the moment, Dale. I'm just learning – shit when i'm struggling it's because i'm viewing it from a place of still my old shadow where i'm trying to conquer it or succeed and the joy goes out the window but when i stop and go you know what sometimes i get joy out of going god you're a dickhead you know to myself and just actually having a laugh and yeah. i get, get a bit of a laugh and i let go and i ask for help and then the joy's back again hey trev that, so, that's that's beautiful mate and i think to summarize what you've just said at the end of the day however you want to view something you can view it that way if you want to be miserable and the life's the world's against you and everything's bad and you can view it that way and stress and anxiety will slowly get to you or you can say instead of the glass being half empty geez it's half full i'm going really well here and you know look at that story of the horse breaking a leg going to war whatever you want depends how you look at it and i think that's a view on life isn't it that if you want to have joy and happiness in your life you'll you'll figure out a way to find that or view that in your life but if you want to look the other way then yeah you can have a shit life can't you oh mate and dale you know the only caveat i'd say is this this wonderful conversation we're having don't having doesn't the, the the truth that we're speaking allows people to go yeah yeah, that's true, right? That's Yeah, wow, good point. But it doesn't necessarily take their pain away Yeah. because I have pain. You know, we have pain. We have things that have built up inside of us. So it doesn't – but even if there's still pain there, it doesn't make what we just said not true. So we've got to go, yeah, that is the truth. I can let go of all that. 
but, geez, I'm having difficulty. Geez, it's deep inside of me. Mate, you weren't beaten up for 10 years straight by your husband. Mate, you weren't, you know, you haven't been sacked from five jobs. You've never been abused or, you know, misdirected or, dare I say it, you know, um, raped or, you know, whatever it is, mate. There's some crazy things going on in the world. And so uh, those things have happened to really, really good people. But it's not like a travesty. It's like, okay, that's pain. And it's pain we have to do the work on, we have to deal with, we have to experience it. We just have to ask ourselves the question, do I want that pain to define my thinking or can I experience the pain, release it, get some help with it and change my thinking? Because if I don't change the pain, I can't change the thinking. If I don't change the thinking, you know, I can't change the experience. I just keep creating the same thing over and over again. It takes a bit of work. If you've had deep shit go on, yeah. then who am I to take away anyone's pain? No, it absolutely hurts. But we've got to go and say, no, but I can change it. Yeah. I can draw a line in the sand. I don't even know how I'm going to change it, and but I don't have to know how. I'm just going to decide I'm sick of this, I'm changing it. And when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Yeah. What you focus on I'm going to throw a few sayings in for people. What you focus on grows. You know, what you resist persists. You know, what you judge, you become. You know, what you ask for, you shall receive. If you ask for it and let go of all the story about how no one ever gives it to me. You know, let go of the part of you that wants to stay alive that says, but it won't work. Just view that and go, does that feel like the truth? It feels like my truth but does it feel light? Does it feel like what I feel like when I'm happy? Because there's an old saying, know the truth and the truth shall set you free. In other words, if my truth is I couldn't give a shit, I don't care about anybody, that might be my truth in a moment. And when you say it, it releases that energy from me. Oh, I just needed to say that. But then hang on, now my truth is I actually do care about people and I want to have a crack at it. You know, so when you identify the truth, it'll make it'll take you in an upward direction. You'll feel lighter or better. So if you say, well, that's all good for you, but it doesn't work for me, and you feel shitty and tighter, that's not your truth because the truth never makes you feel shitty or tighter. The truth will always, if it's your truth, if it's a negative truth and you touch right on it, you might say it and it'll release you and you go, wow, I've been carrying that around for ages. But the truth will set you free and what you focus on will grow. And the final thing I would say is what you appreciate appreciates. And one of my favorite stories is that, when you have a coma nurse, when someone goes into a coma, the coma nurse is trained, and the coma nurse told me this, that there might be no movement in that patient for a long period of time, and then their pinky moves, or their eye blinks a couple of times, or their elbow twitches. And in the coma nurse's eyes, that is a massive breakthrough. So they not they write it down, they appreciate it, and they double the amount of talking they're doing to this patient who's seemingly unconscious. And, they, and then they get another twitch a day later. And then slowly but surely, because what they appreciate, appreciates, it grows. It's like your bank balance. When you put money in and you get interest, it appreciates. So what you invest in appreciates and grows. So literally this idea that, oh, I can focus on the negative and I'll get to a better place, you can't because it actually grows. It grows in the pain inside of you. It produces the chemicals. It creates a physical anchor for you. And the cycle now, the chemicals now remind you that you're in that pain and your mind goes, yeah, I knew it. 
God, I knew it would never change. And this cycle between your body and mind goes over and over. And it's like an addict that's feeding off the same pain and suffering. But when you can go, you know what? Off the back of this conversation, I feel slightly better just listening to Trev and Dale have a chat. I feel slightly better. And I just went on YouTube and researched Eckhart Tolle, and he said something crazy that reminded me. Or I followed, you know, I listened to more of Dale's podcasts or Trevor's stuff or someone else. Or I went to the beach and had a swim, you know, or I rang up my sister and apologized to her for the argument. Or whatever you do next and you get slight change, if you appreciate that and just know I'm just going to grow that, just like that 10% we talked about. I'm going to spend 1% of my energy. I'm going to grow another little garden of good thoughts and do some passionate things, mate. And it grows. And eventually, if you keep feeding it, pull the weeds out, water it with good, pure water, good, pure thoughts, it'll grow out of control and you'll end up with this organic rainforest full of amazing thoughts and feelings and realizations of who you are. If you're deep in the shit, it might take you a year or two to get there, but just make the decision that you're not going to stop. You know, if you're only just partially in the shit, you might be out of it in one minute by just going, enough's enough. I'm going to get out and do some things that I really want to do today. But there is no time limit. There is no job that you're in. There's no relationship you're in. There's no anything that's holding you back. It's only your thoughts about that situation. And when you can change them and grow yourself, that situation will change with you, whether those people leave and go out of your life and someone more conducive to your growth comes in, it'll change more naturally and organically if you know that you're in control of your own destiny. All you have to do is get your thoughts out of the driver's seat. Don't let them drive the bus and put them back where they're supposed to be, which is the steering wheel. You've got to do the steering and that's your soul steering your direction, not your mind. Oh, Trev, I'm just sitting here blown away, mate. That was uh, – if people aren't listening to that and making notes, uh, because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, everyone's uh, – where they end up or where they're going, it's really in their own destination, how much petrol you put in the tank or whatever car you're driving. You can really create that, and I think that's exactly what you're saying. Now, Trev – I'm just blown away, mate. This chat I was expecting to talk about when you're a rock star in Uncle Toby's and and doing all this other stuff, mate. Um, But we haven't even got there. And that's fine because I think where this conversation's gone, it's going to make such an impact and difference for people around the world, mate. And I know personally I can't wait to listen to it again. So, mate, I'm aware of your time. Just before you go, I've got got three last questions if I can can quickly get through these, mate. Um, Yeah, mate. Yep. I like asking all my guests this one, Trev, and if you could go back to 18-year-old Trev when you are probably dominating for Uncle Toby's, winning races, being the king of the Gold Coast, king of Australia, everything like that, but you, from your 50 years now, everything you've learned, uh, over 10,000 hours of training people, working with sports clubs, everything you've done, if you could give 18-year-old Trev one bit of advice, what would that be? You know, it's really funny is I just did the meditation with these kids and I gave them meditation where they went 20 years into the future and met the future them. Cool. You know, and asked them, what would you tell me? So it's funny. I just did this this morning. (laughs) Um, But, you know, advice is separate. But the first thing I'd say to the 18-year-old me is I'd say, hey, 18-year-old me, um, I'm the 50-year-old you and I just want to let you know that I love you. That no matter what you do and where you go in your life, you're going to make mistakes, but at the end, I'm going to love you and I'm going to be okay with what you've done and I'm going to forgive you and it's all going to be okay because you're going to need to make some mistakes to know who you really are. And right now, some of the things that you're going to do, you're going to really, really feel you need to do, so I'm not going to try and stop you from doing them, 
But when you do, just remember that I'm waiting here for you to say it's all going to be okay because the good stuff is was always, is always, and always will be inside of you. And if you have to go through the other shit to get to it, mate, I'm waiting for you and I love you. And that would be what I would say to that part of me because that deeper part of me didn't really feel that loved. I was always out chasing it. And the funny thing was if I knew that, I'd probably chase it less. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Um, but that's definitely what I'd say to myself. I think uh, that's just great advice for anybody, you know, if you've got kids, if you've got anyone in your life, just simply saying I love you or I'll be there for you no matter I've, what goes on, you know. I've got your back. Yeah, like that. it's so simple, isn't it? It's a four-letter word yeah. and I think a lot of time it's misused. But um, yeah. often we don't say it enough to ourselves and I think that's a really beautiful way to finish, mate. And, Joe, finishing off, what when you're all said and done, mate, I know you've got a lot of years left and you're fit as a fiddle, just dominating at 50, just raise the bat for the half century. What legacy? do you want to be remembered for? What do you want to leave on the world? Um, I think um, something I'm probably doing enough, you know, doing a fair bit of without even really thinking about that question is I'd love if for somebody, you know, if I was passing away in, I'm probably a third of the way through my life, so let's say I'm 150 and I'm passing away. Um, <laughs> uh, when I turned 50, I said to the guys, okay, guys, I just wanted to bring you all together because I wanted to celebrate one for the first one-third of my life, you know, and they all <laughs> lost it laughing. Um, if, you know, what I'd love, I'd love for someone to say, oh, Trevor, and I'd love them immediately to think about themselves rather than me and go, wow, he made me realise this. You yeah. know, if I could be remembered for what, somebody realized about themselves then I feel like I've done what I'm really here to do and that is because somebody did that for me so when I think of my great teacher Colin who is a spiritual teacher that helped me in the you know in my mid-20s he's really just a really feet on the ground man I call him a spiritual teacher he'd roll in his grave if he knew if you knew that (laughs) yeah you know he was so feet on the ground he's just a beautiful man I still feel very connected to him spiritually funnily enough but um you know, one of the things he did for me, if I, if I thought of him, I think of what I learned from him, you know, not so much I don't think of what he did. I think straight away of what he did for me and, uh, and I just want to pass that on because, you know, the magic's in the people. We're, all, we're, we're crazy, amazing human beings and we are occasionally we're full of shit, you know, we yeah, do definitely. all sorts of stuff and that's okay and the, the smarter you get, the more you realise the dumber you are, you know, <laughs> you know the more you realise how dumb you are and you, you kind of, face up to it and go, wow, only my ego wants to be the smartest guy in the room. Um, and this, the truth is there's no one in the room as smart as everyone in the room. So I kind of like, I just love helping people get to that place where they realize more about themselves and they're more open to the next moment rather than thinking they've already made it. Yeah, and I, to, I reckon to really summarise, that's a really nice way to sort of finish there because, Trevor, I reckon a big thing you've mentioned today is your life is about the people around you or who you can help or the people that you can share some kindness or service to because then you're making an impact, it's a positive impact, and that reflects upon you. And I think if people can take anything away from that, that's a massive thing. From someone with your life and everything you've done, that um, how humble you are and, and wanting to give back, I think that's a really refreshing thing for people to hear, mate. So, um, where can people reach out to you or find you? Socials, um, I know you've got your new website. Where, where can we get a hold of you, Trev? Yeah, thanks, Dale. Um, yeah, check it out, uh, trevorhendy.com. Um, I throw a few videos here and there. I haven't done one for a couple of years, but I did one yesterday um, in, uh, what, what are we, late May, um, and on YouTube. So I throw a few things on there. There's only about, you know, 
eight or nine hundred people watch them or whatever, but just slowly putting out messages. But um, also the boot, boot camp for the soul, so soulbootcamp.trevorhendy.com, which is a 12-week course that you do via email in your own home and your life and you do it morning and night so it actually just gives you perspective so as you travel through your work life your family life you go through these realizations over 12 weeks to get to a better version of yourself you know the the true version of yourself so love it anyone best way to support me is jump on there and i think it's like a 149 bucks plus gst to do a 12-week course and we get mind-blowing feedback from it so that's a really cool one um you know I sort of throw some things on Instagram here and there, Handy Trev and uh, Facebook, but also for people that want to look at the Life Changer Foundation, which is, um, you know, lifechanger.org.au. And it's what we're doing for kids around Australia and in different communities and everything everywhere else. And um, I just really love loving making a difference. And for people that are up around Queensland, come visit us at Surface Paradise Surf Club and come and do your bronze or bring your nippers along or sponsor us. You know, there's so many things. I'm just trying to get more communities connected and make a difference in each region that I go into. But, yeah, at the end of the day, trevorhendy.com and uh, will and allow most people to access me. Perfect, Trevor. Well, guys listening along, I'll have links for all those socials, websites, everything in the show notes from today's episode. It's number 140. So go on there, check it out. Reach out to Trev because, um, oh, mate, I'm blown away by not only you allowing your time today to share that, but uh, just how open and honest you are. And I think it's really refreshing when um, someone of your stature, mate, is just so open about, you know, the the things that bring joy in your life or happiness and um it's been an absolute pleasure so from me personally trev thank you so much for allowing to be on the podcast it's been such an honor oh, thanks, i'm sort Dan. of buzzing here mate no mate my pleasure and, and thanks for reaching out and everything and stoke too and and uh buddy and i uh brett richardson him and i are looking at starting a podcast we're doing our first one next week and we're thinking of Exciting. calling it brett and, brett and trev's excellent adventure <laughs> and um <laughs> Um, he's, uh, he, he does channeling, he does quantum healing and all sorts of crazy stuff and he's been a previous champion athlete as well. It's crazy how other what's what's in the deeper self. But, but mate, we'll have you on that one as well and have a great conversation mate, and, and, be uh, brilliant. and look forward to, to connecting with more people around the place. Thanks, Dale. Thanks, Trevor.